a young man not known for his intelligence wanted to try out for the football team. The coach told him, frankly, they didn't think he was smart enough to play football. The young fellow pleaded, so the coach agreed to give him a test. He said, I'll give you a take-home test consisting of three questions. Question one, how many seconds are there in a year? When the coach read his answer, it consisted of 12 seconds. The coach said, how'd you come up with 12 seconds? The football players said, January 2nd, February 2nd, March 2nd. <laughs> coach thought, well, it's not exactly what I was looking for, but pretty creative. The second question, what two days of the week begin with the letter T? The answer came back, T is for today, and the other T is for tomorrow. I imagine the coach is scratching his head by now. And then finally, the third question, how many D's, letter D, uh, are there in Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? The football player's response was 138. <laughs> the coach said, how did you come up with that? The football player started counting on his fingers as he chanted the familiar tune, dee 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 Oh, it's uh, clear that the uh, football player was in the dark. And may I say, as you're turning to Revelation chapter 16, the people on planet Earth will be in the dark during the fifth trumpet, or excuse me, bowl judgment, the fifth bowl judgment. So here is my question for you, and it is simply this. What should your attitude be during troublesome times? What should your attitude be during troublesome times? The tribulation will produce troublesome times, even for those who get saved during the tribulation. We begin the tribulation officially in Revelation chapter 6 when the Lamb opens the first seal. There will be seven seal judgments. From the seventh seal will come seven trumpet judgments. From the seventh trumpet judgment will be the final series of the sevens, seven bowl judgments. And think about this, 21 judgments, not including those that we don't know the details about, for instance, from Revelation chapter 10, will be directed at the inhabitants of the earth, but the saints will also be persecuted at that time. So they will have great trouble. Now, here we go. Revelation chapter 16. Let me begin reading in verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. They blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. 
And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gather them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done! And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake, as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. Let's pray. Father, the saints have known troublesome times since the beginning of creation. And it will not change until we're with you. So guide us, help us to understand how we are to live and what our focus should be during those times of trial. Bless our study. Spirit of God, we pray that you'd minister to each one today as only you can. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Give you an outline as we work through this. The first part of the outline is a bowl five. It consists of darkness. And we'll see this in Revelation 16, 10, and 11. John reports here in verse 10, then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. This judgment will greatly affect those closest to the Antichrist, if you will, his cabinet. Remember that the beast, otherwise known as the Antichrist, receives his throne from whom? From Satan. Revelation 13, 2 says, and a dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So now the fifth bowl is poured out and his kingdom became full of darkness. The fifth trumpet also produced darkness, but it was a limited darkness. Come back with me to Revelation chapter 9. Revelation chapter 9. And we'll just look at verses 1 and 2. Revelation 9, 1 and 2. This is the fifth trumpet judgment. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. 
So there's a temporary darkness back there, but before us, it's much broader. There's a parallel that we might want to even take a look at going back to the book of Exodus. Uh, in the book of Exodus, we won't, we won't turn there, but you have the ninth plague judgment. There are ten enacted against the so-called gods of Egypt. And the ninth one is recorded in Exodus chapter 10. And what I just want to draw to your attention, in Exodus chapter 10 in verse 21, it says that there would be a darkness which may even be felt. Now that's darkness. They had three days there. This darkness is global. The kingdom of the beast is worldwide, so all the earth will be impacted with the darkness here in Revelation chapter 16. There might be a hint of good news in the midst of the darkness because the Antichrist and his emissaries cannot pursue the saints during this period of time because they simply can't see them because of the darkness. Now, what is the result of the darkness and the seal, trumpet, and bowl judgments cumulatively? Notice here in verse 10, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain. Gnawed, imperfect tense verb, continuous action in past time. We now have the inhabitants of the earth, if you will, worn out. Dave endured seven seal judgments, seven trumpet judgments, and here come the fifth, sixth, and seventh bowl judgments. How do they respond to this plague of darkness? Notice in verse 11. And they blaspheme the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. God of heaven, an expression that's only used twice in the book of Revelation. The first time is chapter 11. Back in chapter 11, come down to verse 13, looking for the expression, God of heaven. In the same hour, there's a great earthquake and a tenth of the city fell. In the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. Interesting, back there, there's a, a, a temporary glory offered to God. But here, in chapter 16, in verse 11, their response is they blasphemed the God of heaven. We transition now to the second part in our outline. This is bowl six. Bowl number six, and it's the preparation for Armageddon. We will see this in chapter 16, 12 through 16. Verse 12 shows the continuation. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Five times the Bible records the Euphrates as the great river. It is a great river. 1,780 miles long. It's the eastern boundary of the land that God promised to Abraham. We learn that from Genesis 15 in verse 18. It's first mentioned back in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 14. And this is the last reference in the Bible to the river Euphrates. By the way, this is a literal reference to the Euphrates rivers notice here it says and its water was dried up 
the fifth century BC, Greek historian Herodotus wrote about Cyrus the Persian crossing the Euphrates in his conquest of Babylon. Then Thomas writes, quote, Isaiah 11:15 through 16 prophesies the drying up of Euphrates to facilitate the return of scattered Israelites from the east. But may I say the reference here is preparation for Armageddon. Because our text says in verse 12, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Who are these kings from the east? Let's go back to the Old Testament to connect some dots, if you will. Book of Daniel, chapter 11. We've been there before. We'll take a look at um, some verses we've touched on in the past. Daniel chapter 11. Let your eyes come down to verse 36 with the first word, then, which is a time word. And you might ask, when is then? Well, the previous verse, chapter 11, verse 35, speaks of the time of the end. So we're looking at the latter times, the time of the end. In verse 36, we are now looking at the Antichrist, who is called the king here. Verse 36, then the king shall do according to his own will. He shall exalt and magnify himself above every God, shall speak blasphemies, we saw this in Revelation 13, 1 and 5 and 6, against the God of gods and shall prosper till the wrath has been accomplished. For what has been determined shall be done. Verse 37. He shall regard neither the God, and I'd like to present to you a better translation might be God's. It's Elohei from the Hebrew, which is plural, referring to gods, generically. He shall regard neither the gods of his fathers, nor the desire of women. Perhaps he's a homosexual, or he is so busy in his agenda, he just doesn't have time for women. Nor regard any god, for he shall exalt himself above them all. Verse 38. But in their place he shall honor a god of fortresses. Uh, fortresses is a key word in Daniel 11. It occurs five other times in this chapter. Uh, we will see that as you read through this chapter, verse 7, verse 10, verse 19, verse 31, and verse 39, the same term. But verse 38 in their place he shall honor a God of fortresses and a God which his fathers did not know. He shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and pleasant things. Thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses. See, the idea is not that the entire world is united with the Antichrist. He's doing battle. There are certain factions and that comes clear in Daniel 11. So again, verse 39, thus he shall act against the strongest fortresses with the foreign God, which he shall acknowledge and advance his glory. And he shall cause them to rule over many and divide the land for gain. 
at the time of the end, the king of the south, this is Egypt, perhaps uh, connecting with all of Africa. And when you go back to verse 5 and in verse 8. So the king of the south shall attack him and the king of the north. Perhaps here it's a reference to Syria. When you go back to chapter 11 and verse 6 following. Shall come against him like a whirlwind. Notice against the Antichrist. With chariots, horsemen and with many ships. And he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. Notice where this all connects, verse 41. He shall also enter the glorious land. This is Israel. And many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and a prominent people of Ammon. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. Now verse 44 is where we are moving toward. But news from the east. Hmm. Could this possibly be that the Euphrates is dried up from the bowl judgment. And now we have the Chinese entering into the mix. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. Okay, so just putting some of the pieces of the puzzle together here about the way of the kings from the east that it might be prepared. Now, back with me. Revelation 16, verse 13. John further records, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon. Not only the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and then out of the mouth of the false prophet. Leviticus 11 in verse 10 and verse 11, and again in verse 41, speak about frogs being unclean. Clean, unclean. The second plague on Egypt consisted of frogs, God sending those unclean frogs into Egypt. What I want to do for just a moment with you is to think about the vile mouths of the unholy Trinity. We have the dragon, Satan. The beast, the Antichrist, and then the false prophet. Begin with me in Revelation chapter 12. Revelation 12, verse 15. This is speaking of the dragon, Satan. 12, 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his, give me the term everybody, there you go, mouth, like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But notice the direction of the flood. Most likely here referring to a dispatched army when you connect this with um, going back to the book of Jeremiah as we've done in the past. But just notice here it's from the mouth. Then over to chapter 13. Now transitioning to the Antichrist, the sea beast. We know from verse 1, that on his heads was a blasphemous name. Verse five, and he was given a great, what, mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. Verse six, then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. So the vileness, 
that proceeds from the mouth of Satan and the beast also consists of the verbiage from the false prophet. Chapter 13, down to verse 12. 13, 12. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast. This is the land beast here referring to the false prophet in his presence. And causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performed great signs so it even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of of the beast. Notice your next word, telling, see, from the mouth, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. There we go, the unholy trinity. Thinking about the vileness that proceeds from the mouths of those three. Now back here in chapter 16, Verse 14, these unclean spirits, here called demons, they go out to attract the armies of the world together for Armageddon. want to point out to you again that from Daniel 11, we have many world powers fighting against one another. It is not like the Antichrist has total unity. So they're going to battle against one another, and then when Christ comes back. They will turn on him. Verse 15 says, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. This is a word of encouragement to whom? The tribulation saints. The inhabitants of the earth aren't expecting Christ to return. He's coming as a thief. So they are to be encouraged that his return is soon. And by the way, notice the word here, blessed, makarios. This is the third of seven uses found in the book of Revelation. See, there's a blessing pronounced on those that are watchful, the ones who keep their garments, which speaks about vigilance. There is a blessing. They're marked by God's favor. And now in verse 16, and they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. The final battle will be fought in the Valley of Estralon, also known as the Valley of Jezreel, about 50 miles north of Jerusalem. Now to the final part of our outline here, number three, we have bowl seven. Final judgment on the earth. This goes from actually chapter 16 and verse 17. Now notice this all the way through the chapter 19 and verse 21. I want you to see from the seventh bowl judgment will come the destruction on Babylon, chapters 17 and 18, and then the second coming of Jesus Christ to judge the earth. Verse 17. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl, notice where, into the air. The air is the atmosphere which would be worldwide and so is this plague. And a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne. And you have to ask the question, whose loud voice from the temple? I would um, argue that it is God's. Back in chapter 15 and verse 8, 
The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So if no one could enter, chapter 16, verse 1, then I heard a loud voice from the temple. I believe it's the voice of God. So here in chapter 16, down in verse 17, I believe the loud voice is the voice of God. Of God, and notice the words in English, one actually in the Greek. It is done, is proleptic, if you will. It's as good as done. With the seventh bold judgment is the sense that the judgments will now be complete and that Christ will return to bring in his kingdom. Verse 18. And there were Noises and thunderings and lightnings. And there was a great earthquake, such a mighty and great earthquake as had not occurred since men were on the earth. Now that's quite an earthquake, right? I mean, it's not only going to rock the heavens, but the earth. Uh, let me read to you from the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 2, down in verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, this Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of armies, once more, it is a little while, I will shake heaven. See, that's an unprecedented earthquake. I will shake heaven and earth and sea and dry land. Now, taking that forward to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 26 and 27. Hebrews 12, 26 and 27, whose voice then shook the earth, going back to the law, but now he has promised saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. See, those things that are temporary. As of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Um, massive change is about to occur. Back with me in chapter 16, verse 19. Now the great city was divided into three parts. Now some believe this is a reference to Jerusalem like Charles Ryrie. But may I point out to you that I don't think that's what the text is saying here for two reasons. Number one, in the second half of our verse, there's a reference to Babylon, which by the way goes into chapters 17 and 18. And then also concerning Jerusalem, when Christ comes back, according to Zechariah 14, he will touch down on the Mount of Olives, but then the earth will be split in two not three parts. This, I believe, is a reference to judgment on Babylon. Verse 19 continues, and the cities of the nation fell. Gentile cities and great Babylon was remembered before God. We had seen earlier, going back to chapter 14, in verse 8, and another angel followed saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Another proleptic statement, but just pointing here to Babylon's demise. And Babylon will clearly fall. 
What happens as a result of the earthquake that rocks the heavens and the earth? Verse 20, chapter 16. Then every island fled away. Think about it. The great earthquake causes every island to sink. And the mountains were not found, crumbled because of the earthquake. And not only that, verse 21. And great hail from heaven fell upon men. Every hailstone about the weight of a talent. Now there was hail that fell on Egypt. Seventh plague, Exodus chapter 9. Some hail with the first trumpet judgment. Revelation 8, 7. But here it's unprecedented. And may I point out to you when it speaks about great hail. Weighing a talent. A talent is approximately 100 pounds. Imagine one piece of hail falling from the heavens, hitting anything or anyone on planet Earth. The response, notice in verse 21, and men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail since the plague was exceedingly great. I'd like to point out to you where it says here, and men, men has the article before it. It's plural here with the definite article. It could be the article of previous reference, which would take us back to chapter 16 in verse 2. So the first went out and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a fowl and a loathsome sore came upon, notice this, Upon whom? The men. Okay. I think this is pointing back to that same group of men. So, what should your attitude be during troublesome times? Here's our main point. Blessed are the vigilant and virtuous during trials. Let me say that again. Blessed are the vigilant and virtuous during trials trials to close us out would you turn with me to the book of first thessalonians first thessalonians first thessalonians speaks about a troubled church a persecuted church a church although they were persecuted still experienced the joy of the lord and were very evangelistic. That's why they became a model church. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in the context of judgment and all that is going to be coming upon even planet Earth, notice here what Paul writes to these troubled believers. Chapter 5, this is 1 Thessalonians verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep. The idea here is not a literal sleep. Metaphorically, it means don't yield to sloth. Remain vigilant. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The idea of vigilance, since we know that we're moving toward the end, let us become spiritually alert. And in verse 7, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night, but let us who are of the day be sober. So we need 
to be both vigilant and then also virtuous, to comport ourselves in such a way that a holy God looks down and says, I'm pleased with your consecrated life. So we think about the seals, trumpet, and bowl judgments. And the severity of these things and how many of the earth will be killed during this period of time. No wonder Jesus says, unless those days were shortened, no flesh would survive. But the reality is that even today, people die. Everyone is one heartbeat away from eternity and then where do they go? For the believer absent from the body, present with the Lord. For the unbeliever to be separated from God's presence forever. So child of God, your witness is vital. And there is a blessing that is pronounced upon those that are vigilant and virtuous during trials. Let's be in that group. Heavenly Father, thank you. We have learned much we have traveled, if you will, through three time zones. And we learn about a God of love that is evangelizing the world, but also a God of justice that has to be true to his nature and judge those who reject him. For us, Lord, today, as our focus is upon the saint, the believer, help us. Help us, Lord to experience your blessing in those troubled times because we are both vigilant, watchful, and virtuous. I ask in Jesus' name, amen.